Hello and welcome to the Philosophy During the Coronavirus podcast, a podcast primarily for my students in the four ethics classes I'm teaching this semester, but anybody else is welcome to join. My name is Mike Austin, I'm a philosophy professor at Eastern Kentucky University. Today, we're going to talk about chapter four of a book by Jody Halpern called From Detached Concern to Empathy. Chapter four, Concept of Clinical Empathy. I've been having some volume issues. Hopefully this is better. I wanted to let you know, I'm not obviously going to make this polished or worry about that. I'm just trying to get the information out there for my students and anyone else who happens across the podcast. First, this is a book we've been reading together in our philosophy one, or sorry, philosophy 383 class, Biomedical Ethics. It's a book called From Detached Concern to Empathy by Jody Halpern. It's an excellent book. Halpern is both a philosophy PhD and an MD, and the book is about the subtitle, Humanizing Medical Practice. Today we're going to look at the chapter that focuses on the concept of clinical empathy. In many ways, this is the heart of Halpern's view. Now, I'm not going to give a full outline or summary of the chapter. There are some points here that would be interesting to talk about if we were in person in our classroom or hanging out at a coffee shop or whatever. But what I'm going to do is just get some of the ideas out that I'd like to highlight for the class in our current situation. So, as Halpern points out, there's a growing body of research uh, that supports the claim that emotional communication between doctors and their patients has a positive impact on healing. Right? The idea is that when there's an element of emotional connection between a doctor and a patient, there's deeper trust, and then that has uh, obviously positive results. Developing empathy is also becoming a part of medical codes of ethics. It's being taught in medical schools. But there's confusion about a couple of things. First, what empathy actually is. And then second, how to cultivate and express empathy, especially in the doctor-patient relationship. So in this chapter, Halpern argues that the goal of empathy is what she says, an experiential understanding of another person's distinct emotional perspective, end quote. She rejects the approaches that we've looked at a little bit called detached insight and another one called sympathetic merging. She argues that with clinical empathy, emotions can play a new role, right? They can serve as guides to another person's emotional perspective or point of view. They can help us not only understand what a person is feeling or that they're feeling something, but what it's like to be that person. What are the causes of those emotions, uh, positive or negative? One picture of clinical empathy is what's called detached insight. In this model of empathy, the physician makes inferences about his patient's emotional life grounded in observations of the patient's emotional life, knowledge of the emotional reactions of other people in that situation, or of his own previous experiences. In this situation, the physician is detached as an observer, but trying to observe the inner life of the patient. Or he might engage in introspection, looking into his own past experiences and the relevant emotions, and then try to draw a conclusion about what is going on inside the patient's emotional life. But on both of these strategies, detached cognition is doing the work. The doctor is trying to think his or her way into the emotional life of the patient. One problem with this model of empathy is that observing others cannot be sufficient for empathy. We can gain information by carefully observing what someone says, their gestures, and so on. But observable behavior 
is not the object of empathy. Rather, the object is what is salient from their interior perspective, right? What's relevant from their point of view, from their inside, the inner life they have. Even if we can label the emotional state of a patient, that's not our ultimate goal here. We should attend to how the patient feels about specific issues. And so it's not enough to know that a patient is angry, but we wanna know why is she angry? That's clinically relevant. What specific issues are in play? Is she angry at her doctor because he forgot a small part of her medical history? Or is she angry because this leads her to think that he might be careless in her ongoing cancer treatments? The answer here matters a lot. According to Halpern, empathy is not a form of theoretical reasoning about patients. Instead, it's a form of experiential knowledge. In the type of clinical empathy that she favors, the physician in some sense grasps how her patient is experiencing the situation. She also experiences his attitudes as presences rather than as mere possibilities. She says that empathy is about noticing what is salient from another person's emotional perspective, right? What is relevant? What, what is leading them to have those feelings? What are their concerns, fears, hopes, etc.? The empathizer is not a mere observer, but, an, but is someone who perceives and imagines what it's like to be that person in these particular circumstances. So we need to address how a physician can be guided to accurately imagine the particular situation of a patient. Many people th think about resonating with the emotions of a patient, and they're right, that does contribute to empathy. But resonation, resonating is not enough in order to really grasp the distinct emotional perspective of a patient. Merging emotions helps us feel something that our patient feels, but it does not give us detailed insight into what they're going through. There are only shared feelings in that situation, not shared content. So I might feel the anger my patient feels, but that does not tell me what she is specifically feeling angry about. So resonance is too general. It's not um, fine-grained or specific enough. And empathy requires more than that generality. As Halpern puts it, the content of empathy is the patient's individual experience and not of the patient and physician undergoing a we experience. One problem here is that in medical school, students are taught to imagine themselves in their patient's shoes, but that's very different from imagining what it is like to be the patient in the patient's shoes, and that's the more proper goal of empathy. A word for this, called decentering, is important for clinical empathy alongside resonance. Decentering then involves imaginatively viewing the situation from the patient's position as the patient. The skill needed here for someone who's trying to show empathy is the capacity for imagining perspectives to which she lacks immediate access. Finally, let's take a look at the view that Halpern wants to defend. She argues that clinical empathy is best thought of as a form of emotional reasoning. Now, normally we don't think of those things as going together, but as a side note, there's a, a lot of philosophical and I think psychological literature on the notion that emotions include judgments. They're not mere feelings, right? They're, they can be um, rational in a certain sense. So for Halpern, she argues that we ought to both understand and put into practice this notion of clinical empathy as emotional reasoning. In this kind of empathy, the empathizer emotionally resonates with the patient, but he's also curious and uses his imagination to understand the experience and perspective of that patient. So this involves imagining how, right? Imagining how it 
feels like, how it is to be that person in that situation. And so she discusses the case of Mr. Smith in her book. Uh, for the, my students, it's on pages 86 through 88. Right? So Mr. Smith um, was an, an older man, successful in his business, powerful in his family, um, but was basically paralyzed from the neck down and was having a difficult time with this emotionally. Halpern, a psychiatrist, uh, learned not just to resonate his hopelessness at being paralyzed and on a ventilator. She chose to do what we've just talked about. She chose to decenter and be curious about how he felt about his situation. So she went in and talked to him. This helped her to take into account that he was a successful executive, that he was a strong figure in his family, and then she was able to see how he'd feel as a powerful older man, suddenly enfeebled, handled by one young doctor after the next. She then started to grasp his feelings that, that she thought he might have. Impatience, rage at being trapped in this body that wouldn't work, frustration, and perhaps even shame. So when she went back and spoke in a business-like way, he responded because that was more suited to who he was. Now, of course, in these kind of situations, an ongoing dialogue is needed uh, in order to be more and more accurate as you try to engage in this kind of empathy, right? In order to get that shared content to know that what you perceive the patient is going through is accurate. And so of course we're gonna make mistakes, but it's that continued engagement at this level with a patient and this kind of thinking through and imagining how it, how the patient is feeling and why that can help you to be empathy in the right way. She also notes, Halpern does, that physicians must cultivate a way that they can trigger their own empathy because we're not going to always spontaneously resonate with a patient. Cultivating curiosity about what it feels like to be in the patient's particular situation, as in Mr. Smith's case, that Halpern just described, is one way to do this. Right? We can cultivate curiosity about things, including what it feels like to be a patient. Expressing empathy, then, can in include uh, accurate comments to a patient about how they feel, but it's going to go beyond that, right? It will involve, she says, timing, vocal tones, pauses, and an overall attunement to the effective, effective style of a patient. This is what she did with Mr. Smith, right? If some patients you go in and speak in a direct business-like way, uh, that will be bad for them, right? They want to be dealt with in a softer, more compassionate way, traditionally conceived. But she realized that that would just contribute, or she thought that would just contribute some to his shame, to his anger, and his frustration. When she went back in and spoke in a business-like, straightforward manner, uh, he responded to that. When doctors do this and other healthcare professionals, uh, many good things happen. One, patients give fuller histories because they, they trust their patient. Two, they share more about emotional topics, right? And that can trigger or not trigger, but that can help lead to more accurate diagnoses and more effective medical treatments. So there's a lot in this chapter, but that's all we're going to talk about today. I hope this short little lecture has helped you alongside the notes for my students. And next time we'll look at chapters five and six of Halpern's book. All right, that's it. Have a good day.